Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Wednesday edition. Big show planned. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The entire OutKick crew making the show happen for us. We have uh, PK back next week. Um, and when he comes back, there's a lot to recap. Just off today's show, Kermit Davis, Ole Miss head coach, will join us in 15 minutes. Uh, he's in town, and I'm assuming he's recruiting. But we will also chat about the NCAA tournament with him, preview some of the matchups coming up tomorrow and Friday Live at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll have the watch party starting tomorrow at 11 a.m. Live at 2 o'clock from outside here in the Beer Garden. Later in today's show, Dan Dockich on. More college hoops discussion. And in the third hour, J.P. Aaron Sivia, friend of the show, BFL, former major league catcher turned broadcaster. He's on the show today at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Chad. Good afternoon. What a lineup. Excited about everyone we have on today. Kermit Davis is one of my all-time favorite characters uh, at any level of sport. Um, So looking forward to talking some college hoops with him. Uh, It's going to be fun. So much news with the Braves and Freddie Freeman and Major League Baseball. Getting business back underway. Free agency. J.P. Aaron Sibia can talk about all of it. And of course, Dan Dockich. I I walk in early this morning to get ready for the show. And they're producing Don't At Me at the time. Yeah. And Dan is going off on something uh, during the time. And I looked at Dylan and I said, uh, what's he going off about now? And Dylan kind of said, not exactly sure. What is it now? It's been been an hour and a half uh, straight uh, of a rant. So always fun to talk to Dan Dock. It's going to be a good show. Um, So the AFC West pass rushers after today, just to keep everyone updated, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Max Crosby, Frank Clark, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, who's now in the division with the Broncos. And as of today, Chandler Jones joins the division. The Raiders agreeing to terms with Chandler Jones. Uh, and that will all be official in less than an hour as the new league year begins across the National Football League. Chad, it's a quarterback division, and now it's also a pass rush division. Yeah, It's almost as if every GM in the AFC West had this novel idea, and they said, you know what's really good to have on a football team? A great quarterback. And if you're going up against a division full of great quarterbacks, you know what else is really good to have? Someone who can affect the great quarterback you're going head-to-head with twice a year uh, with your division rivals. Um, brilliant move. It started with the Chargers, uh, and they're trading for Khalil Mack. Um, but yeah, that is, if you want to look at a roster of quarterback paired with, on the opposite side of the football, pass rusher, game breaker. Khalil Mack, not just pass rusher, just sort of a, a, a game-busting type player with the plays he makes. He's a guy who will uh, you know, strip the tight end of the football at some point to change the game. Total game changer on defense. It's going to be a fun division to follow this year. It was going to be either way with the quarterbacks, but now you add in all these elite pass rushers, 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. That's where you can find the link to join our bracket challenge through OutKick. That's also available at OutKick.com. Officially, the tournament started last night with the first four. We'll recap Indiana and, and their win over Wyoming in just a moment. Still time to fill out your bracket before tip-off tomorrow to win some great prizes from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, including private bar access and a $500 tab here at the venue on site. Bill Burr tickets in a suite. Uh, for one of his uh, comedy specials that will be in town and much more. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Outkick360 for further details. But Chad, still time. I've filled out mine. I know you're in. Uh, Our entire crew with Outkick in there. Clay has filled out a bracket. Dan Dockich has filled out his bracket. We hope everyone listening and viewing today will do the same. Well, look, we we know how the world works, and people procrastinate. And they're going to wait until the last minute. So we know a lot of you out there have not filled out your bracket yet. And here we sit. Wednesday, late afternoon, you still haven't done it. Shame on you. You need to get to work on it. But that's fine. You have time if you want to wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know, I haven't, there's going to be games starting in a few hours, and I have yet to fill out my bracket. Well, then that's the time for you. Whenever is your time to fill out the bracket, play our bracket challenge. It's going to cost you nothing, and it could win you a lot with some of our great prizes, and you laid them out. Also, Hutton, watch party if you're in Nashville, if you're in the area tomorrow. 6th and Peabody, 2 to 5 p.m. Come hang out with us. We're going to be in the outside outdoor beer garden broadcasting our show. That's going to be an awful lot of fun. Out, so uh, They're out there setting up right now. This, this is my favorite two days of the sports year. Really, the first day is the big one for me, even though the second day is exactly the same with games. But it's always right about that time of year where the weather gets better. We're going to have that tomorrow when we're outside. You've got so many games starting at 11 a.m., it's perfect. Everybody's got their bracket out. Everyone's got interest. They got skin in the game, regardless if your team's in the tournament or not. So much fun, and we're going to get it kicked off to, or tipped off tomorrow, but tip it off right now by going and filling out your bracket with our bracket challenge. Indiana wins. That was your lock of yes. the first four. Indiana minus four, which, which covered. Not, not only one, but covered. Uh, slow plotting game for the most part, and then things ramped up in the second half for Indiana. They move on. They'll take on St. Mary's tomorrow uh, in the first round of the of the tournament that will be uh, out west as uh, playing in Portland, I believe, for, for that matchup against the St. Mary's. Uh, and a, a lot of people have Indiana advancing. Uh, Chad, well, you're I, one of them. I've got them in the Sweet 16, so that was a very important outcome for me last night. Uh, I, I think they're going to go beat St. Mary's, and I think they're going to beat uh, UCLA in the next round and get to a Sweet 16. So uh, I, I like the way Indiana closed. They've got great talent. They've, they've underperformed based on talent most of the year. So they got through that first step beating Wyoming. Let's see if they can go cause some damage in this bracket. Let me say this about the game last night also. Jeff Linder, the head coach of Wyoming, pathetic technical called on him in the first half. Cannot do that. Refs need to get out of their own way with that one. He was yelling at a player on the other end of the court. And the ref thought he was yelling at another ref, and they called him for a Made technical. Made the assumption. Called him for a technical early in the game. I don't care if he is yelling at another ref. Unless you sprint out onto the court and do something abruptly, this is the NCAA tournament. You need to allow for a little bit more. You can't, it was a very close game at the time. You can't penalize a team by mistake because the coach is yelling at a player. I, I thought that was pathetic. Baker Mayfield says goodbye to the Cleveland Browns without officially saying goodbye to the Cleveland Browns because he sees the writing on the walls. 
They have uh, his organization taking a meeting with Deshaun Watson, uh, one of four teams to do so. Atlanta meeting with him today, according to reports. Um, He's already met with the Saints and with the Panthers. Uh, There was a report out late last night that said that the Panthers... The, the Panthers felt like they left that meeting with the idea that Watson was going to choose the Saints. But here's Atlanta meeting with them, and Cleveland, as an outside opportunity, trying to get involved with, and it sounds like Haslam is the one who says, we, we need Watson to make us a true Super Bowl contender. Baker Mayfield then released the statement and put it out on social media uh, yesterday, yesterday evening, where he more or less says, hey, uh, it's... It's been great. I love the fans in Cleveland. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but uh, the last four years have been amazing, and here's to the future, both for Cleveland and for me. Why not wait until they're, you're traded for this statement? Well, I think this is instead of I, – I always thought it would be – I always thought it would be the one more year – and then they would have to make a decision on him. Like, do you extend him or you just let him go? Or do you trade him uh, towards you know, the trade deadline, whatever it might be? Last year, there were some rumblings that he and Stefanski were not seeing eye to eye. And the way the season ended and where they were eliminated from playoff contention, he opted to have the shoulder surgery. I believe that was a primetime game, maybe against Pittsburgh. I can't recall. Uh, it might have been Baltimore. Nonetheless, I, I tweeted at the time, he's done. This, we, we have likely seen the final game with him and the Browns. You could just tell that there was uh, that something was off, right? The connection was not there, and it wasn't just him playing through injury. And now that they're openly going after Deshaun Watson, he put the statement out because he sees the writing on the wall. Now, this is not me being like Paul with Aaron Rodgers, who he just doesn't like Aaron Rodgers when I say this. I like Baker Mayfield. I like his commercials. I liked him at Oklahoma. I like him as a quarterback. I like the guy. He seems like a very likable guy. This screams of whiny ex-girlfriend vibes with this preemptive statement. Um, this seems like Baker Mayfield uh, is trying to call uh, his boyfriend, and the boyfriend's not picking up, so it's an Instagram post of preemptive strike of uh, here's what I think about the ex. I don't even know what's preemptive. And, then, um, and, then, and now Again, we're moving on a different direction. I, 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 I caught the sense that there was a rift behind the scenes late last year. I don't think this is anything new that he put out there. I think he's, he's put everything just, behind the scenes and he put the statement out there because he's about to be traded. Well, then do it after you're traded. I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. Like this, this didn't have to happen last night. It's, it seems whiny of a guy who's not whiny to me. Has not seemed whiny before. Wait until you're traded. If you want to thank the fans, great. It's a classy thing to do. Well, what do you do if you're the Browns do it and, you, after you're and traded. Watson doesn't choose you? Well, then you, I, I guess you got to go make up to... Uh, to Baker Mayfield, who apparently believes he's out and knows he is or wants out now because they're talking to Houston about Deshaun Watson. Meanwhile, you have the Falcons who are pursuing Deshaun Watson. They currently have Matt Ryan as their veteran starter at 36 years old. And uh, Chris Mortensen said that over the weekend, this past weekend, they reached out to Matt Ryan and informed him that they were going to pursue Watson in a possible trade situation uh, for their franchise. I don't know which way Watson's leaning, but he's got a lot of different options for his skill set. He's got Matt Rule that will put everything around him in Carolina. I've got some theories on that we can get to later in the show. 
uh, a young a young group that is I won't say rebuilding. They're rebuilding, but I thought they did much better than a rebuilding team in Atlanta this past season. And Cleveland, who I think can legitimately pitch to Deshaun Watson that they are the most Super Bowl ready of the four pack of teams. Um, the media has been trying to crown Cleveland for the last three years. And you put Watson in that mix with their defense and with some of the weapons they have on the outside, including now Amari Cooper, I think you can sell that. They have a run game as well. And in New Orleans, you would be able to pair him with Alvin Kamara and, and others. I think every, every option that's been listed so far and rumored for Deshaun Watson, because Deshaun Watson is so good, I'm hard-pressed to find a bad option for that team. Right, I, you, I, I can talk you into any scenario. I can talk you into the pairing of Arthur Smith, uh, you know, and Kyle Pitts with Deshaun Watson in Atlanta. I, the, the the personnel around him in Cleveland, possibly New Orleans, Carolina. He's going to make anyone so much better, right? Just adding him that it's difficult to find a bad spot for him. We talked with John McClain yesterday. He mentioned Philadelphia as a team that that Deshaun Watson vetoed during the year, that they had a trade ready to go to send him to Philadelphia, and he didn't want to go to Philadelphia. I look at Philadelphia, and I think that would be a good landing spot for Deshaun Watson because he's that good of a player, right? Now, we can sit and rank, you know, top to bottom what would be best for Watson, but I don't know about you, but I get the sense that a lot of – it's not just football for Deshaun Watson. He's looking for the right living situation – uh, not necessarily close to home, well, but there's there's other factors that's not just, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to win. Well, the, the talk with the whole him, him wanting to be in Miami was his buddy Will Fuller was there. Yeah. And he wanted to play and with that's him. And that's what I mean, personal, you know, there's personal reasons. It's not all money. It's not all just best football situation. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a blend of everything. There could be the heartstrings pulling him back closer to home in Atlanta. Uh, there could be a friend on a team that's pulling him closer there's a number of factors here with him, and ultimately he has the say because he has the veto power over any trade. And it, from Cleveland's perspective, and McLean told us yesterday uh, down in Houston, the Texans wouldn't want Baker Mayfield as a part of the of the trade with Watson. They want young pieces along with draft picks, so there would be other teams involved for a, a trade that would be facilitated through Cleveland for Baker Mayfield, who has a very tradable contract. In fact. Of the options left, Baker's contract is very affordable in comparison to, say, Matt Ryan and the cap hit that you'll get for for trading him if you're Atlanta, but also uh, obtaining his salary for 2022. Uh, Baker's salary is like 18, and when you compare that, and I'm not, he's not up there in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, but when you compare that to um, you know, whatever Wentz is costing. Uh, this year in Washington, it's very affordable. It's a very tradable deal. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case with uh, a lot of the other guys who would be looking for uh, a quarterback situation. You know, Seattle should be in the mix for Baker. Um, uh, you know, thinking through the Indianapolis Colts yep. should be in pursuit. Is of Baker Mayfield an Baker upgrade Mayfield. from Carson Wentz? Yeah. That's what I, I ask about every, every I mean, guy that's out there. I mean, I, when I look from a talent perspective, if you're just looking at a bottom stat line, Wentz is probably going to stand out to you more. But uh, there's there's a bit more moxie to Baker there's Mayfield. There's an intangible yeah. with Baker Mayfield that's better than Carson Wentz. I, I, I so. agree with you. I think from a fan base standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, 
th- there's something there with him that Wentz does not have. But keep in mind, I mean, he there there was something going on between he and Stefanski yeah. last year in Cleveland. Coming up, we get into the NCAA tournament with Kermit Davis, head coach at Ole Miss. Uh, we'll talk about the SEC matchups and much more. First, though, FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360, as Chad likes to say. Why haven't you signed up already? But if you haven't, Chad, we've got plenty of options for you, including the March Madness 30 to 1 offer. Bet $5, win 150 in site credits, regardless if you win or lose your first bet on any tournament game as the bracket progresses, which, again, you can do this starting tomorrow when the first round is underway. You sign up today, fanduel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Bet five, you win 150 in site credit. If you win or lose, you're getting this bonus site credit for signing up as long as this is your first bet as a first-time user at FanDuel.com slash OK360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined in studio by Ole Miss head coach Kermit Davis, longtime friend of the show. And uh, Kermit, I guess you're in town recruiting or doing something, right? I mean, you're always recruiting as yeah, a coach. We are. We, uh, I was in Hutchinson, Kansas yesterday for the National Junior College Tournament. Nice. Uh, flew in late last night and uh, going to see a couple games in the Tennessee High School Tournament today, some 2023s, and then back tomorrow. I think I may be going to the Northeast Transfer Portal, Saturday Transfer Portal. So, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't kind of stop for sure. Well, it's great to have you in studio, especially uh, – Chad mentioned this. Yesterday we saw on Twitter, like, Kermit Davis is going to return Ole Miss, and we're like, I, I hope so, because he's coming in studio tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, Jeff Goodman, maybe. I was joking with yeah. him before that. It's like, uh, Kermit, Kermit Davis will be back at Ole Miss. And I was like, awesome news. He'll be with us on Outkick 360. <laughs> there should be a release tomorrow. for every current head coach that, that they but, will return. I mean, you look around your conference, Coach, and, I mean – this is the reality that we're living in. It's almost like you got to put out a statement to say what's going to happen in the offseason at every spot yeah. at this point. Well, you know, you look at kind of just take me personally. Uh, I think it was November we came out with a release that I just signed a, a four-year, you know, uh, contract with some acts you can do in Mississippi and kind of celebrated that. <laughs> four months later, you know, you have to put out a release and say <laughs> you're going to be the coach <laughs> with three years left on your contract. But I think it's just – I think it's just a new norm, guys. Yeah. I don't care what sport it is. And obviously the, the league is, is pretty volatile uh, this year. And we're just sitting here watching Buzz's, uh, you know, kind of press conference from last night. And, you know, with 14 teams in the league and us maybe being the best league in college basketball and only six teams getting in, you know, there's going to be obviously some, some fan bases around the SEC that's going to be upset if their team doesn't get in the tournament. Well, I, I, Chad and I were discussing it. They're a tournament team when you watch them yeah. play down the stretch. Um, I think the vast majority of the viewing audience 
doesn't really dive into college hoops until after Christmas, right? right. And so, I, you know, I, I can't sit here and say I watched a ton of Texas A&M basketball uh, in November or December, but I know what they did after Valentine's Day, which was win, and I don't know why that's not rewarded. I don't know why conference tournaments aren't don't matter more to the committee. That's the biggest concern I have. Yeah, you know, uh, we played them twice, obviously, and we played them early uh, when their team was like 14-2, and two, and they were off to a great start. They were first in the SEC when you played them, they right? Were, they got off they, to a 5-0 start, I think. They the were. Conference. Kentucky yeah. beat them at home in, in a great, great game. And then – but this, this, is, this is the difference in the Big Ten and the SEC basketball from a perception standpoint. Texas A&M, think about this team that we just watched. They lost eight games in a row in our league, Okay. Six of them, I believe, were to NCAA tournament teams. But if that happened in the Big Ten, all they would say is, God, the Big Ten is so balanced. Can you imagine how many good teams there are? Well, all of a sudden, you know, then the committee guy says that, you know, well, they lost eight games. Well, look who they lost to, you know, and give the SEC credit. And then, like I said, we played them late, and they, they, were, they were the best team in our league late, the best team that we played late. And we played Auburn twice, Kentucky, and lost it overtime, Tennessee, and all that. It was the best team, and they played like it. Went to Alabama, won by 15, and right in that conference tournament, just kept playing, you know, and there's no doubt they beat Notre Dame in the non-conference, and Notre Dame is in and in tonight's game, you know, against Rutgers and uh, had some other good wins. So, yeah, it really is. I, that, that one, you don't get shocked much, but that one shocked us all in the SEC. Well, and they weren't, they weren't the first team out either. They were the fourth. Yeah, I was shocked. I thought for sure. I thought after uh, – I really thought after the Auburn win, they were going to be in. Then they beat Arkansas. I'm like, okay, now they're definitely in. And then uh, the loss to Tennessee. And Rick Barnes in his press conference said, if this is the message that these conference tournaments don't matter, it's better for the league if teams like us, we don't play our guys. And we give other people a chance unless if it's you not going to matter. Yeah. Unless you have to win, it doesn't the really matter. teams that are securely in, if it doesn't matter, then why are we not resting starters? and allowing teams that are trying to play their way into the tournament. That's a sad state of affairs, if you're saying that after a conference championship. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, and it, it was a lot of truth to it. You know, I saw Buzz in the hotel lobby before the tournament started, and I said, Buzz, what do you think you need to do? He says, well, I, I thought if you just beat Florida, I really thought they were playing good enough they'd be in. He said, no, I really think we've got to beat Florida and Auburn. And I said, God, if you beat Florida and Auburn, I didn't even think about it. And, and so then uh, he beats, you know, Arkansas – you know, last year we were here, and we were like that first team out. Yeah, and yeah. We, we beat South Carolina, and they said if we beat LSU, then we'd be in. We lost the last possession game to LSU, and then we were like the number one seed or whatever it was, you know, in, in, in the NIT. And, uh, and we won ten games. We won the most, fourth most games in the league last year and didn't get in. So that trend is not great for, for SEC, you know. And uh, like I said, I thought the league is fitting for eight to nine teams this year. I think there's such a disconnect at times, um, you know, between reporter or someone who covers a sport and those that are inside the sport. And I wasn't some great college athlete or coach or anything, but I've been in a locker room before and I've played sports growing up. So I can understand how difficult it must be if you're Buzz Williams and A&M or if you're you and your team a year ago. And it drives me nuts when I see people. I saw this on Twitter last night. People complaining and whining about A&M. Just win more games. Win more games. You're not whining about it. Just, just win more games. There's no excuses. Just win more games. And I'm thinking, if you're the coach of that team, that's not what you're telling your group at the end of a hard season, right? H how difficult of a spot is that when you're reliant on an outside force to pick you? 
to do something. Then you got to go back and, to your guys and say, hey, we got to get excited about the NIT now instead of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how many guys, if any, I hope none have, have opted out of the, the NIT. I, I didn't follow it real closely last night. I was, I was recruiting. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a different world that we're living in, Chad, and, and uh, it's hard to explain to your team. We were sitting here. They, the NCAA told us to stay in Nashville last year. Stayed in the JW Marriott said, we want you to stay because remember all the COVID stuff yep, because yep. they wanted to stay in quarantine. And then if you got selected, then you'd just bust straight to Indianapolis, don't go home. And so we stayed there. And then, you know, you kind of the bracket flipped and you kind of thought, well, we're not going to get in. You could see a couple of teams got in and our team was just kind of devastated. And I can only imagine, I think Texas A&M was, was more deserving than we were last year, this year. And so to sit in front of your team and people can say all that, but, you know, Michigan gets in with, with 17 wins. You start looking at Wyoming. You start looking at San Francisco. Indiana was 9-11 and 11 in yes. their conference. No, no knock about any of those yeah. teams. They're all good teams. But it is. It's hard to justify to your team as hard as those guys worked. And it's just as much time and effort that you've spent day-to-day with them. Kermit Davis, our guest, Ole Miss head coach. Um, so, you, you don't get in. Can you contact anyone with the committee and figure out exactly why? Is there some type of explanation that head coach at Ole Miss, head coach at A&M, or anywhere, uh, can, can you figure out why, exactly why? you got to do it through your conference office. I'm sure Buzz has. You know, it's talked to Dan Leibowitz, who's over basketball, and he's been terrific for, for the SEC. And is it vague, though? It, it is because there's, there's different parameters. You look at the net, everybody says, well, this is the net, and this is the quad ones, and then some guys make the net, they're 77, and they get in, and you're 32, and you don't get in. Some said it's it's quad one wins, and it's, then all of a sudden, now they're starting grouping quad one and quad two together. You know, this is what their record is with quad one and quad two. So, you know, it used to be, I don't know, with the basketball people, eye test has to matter how yeah. teams play in. You know, but, but what I don't understand either, then sometimes those take into consideration, well, one team had a guy out for four or five games. Well, if you're at Middle Tennessee, that doesn't matter. They don't follow your team. But if you're one of those top 10 teams, they know every day the guys at Duke that are out, or maybe they got KU that's out. And i tell you one thing, the guy at Baylor was not there. You know, so uh, I don't know, just different variables, and there's not a set answer that you get. You know, uh, talking to Rick Bird at one point before he played a game against you, gave you a great compliment, said the, the best coaches out there, their teams play like the personality of that coach. Uh, and you can see it on the court and said that's how your, your MTSU teams would play, talking about you. And you can see that with your Ole Miss teams also. They reflect your personality. What teams – Buzz Williams comes to mind. We're talking about A&M. What teams across the SEC would you give that label to where you can see the coach's personality and what they want really come out when you play those teams? Yeah, um, and, and that's a great compliment because I'm telling you, I've, this is my 39th year in college basketball, and I never coached against a better – coach team than Rick's team. I don't say that just because, yeah. you know, that. I mean, it's just, gosh, I think we were 500 in the 16 years that I was there. Maybe, I, I can't remember, you know, but it was right there, like neck and neck, and they were they were so well-prepared and good all the time. You know, I, I think Bruce's teams, when you watch Bruce coach, that's kind of how his, the personality of his team just, you know, and I mean this in a good way, arrogant, flamboyant, you know, and that's the way their, their teams play. I think the most underrated coach – in our league is John Calipari. I just think it is. He gets this knock about this and that. When you coach against his team, the right guys always shoot. He coaches them hard. It doesn't matter, you know, where they come from. Uh, they're terrific. 
I think Rick Barnes' team is a reflection of their coach, tough, you know, and hard-nosed. And uh, there's a lot of really good coaches in the league. And so those have come to mind, you know, and I'm sure there's several others. Kermit Davis with us. Let's get into the bracket a bit here. Um, you mentioned Calipari. I think Kentucky has a great path to the Final Four. I, and just filling out the bracket, just first glance, I've got Kentucky winning the title because I'm putting them in the Final Four, and then they're matching. And I'm just looking at the matchups thinking, you know, that if, I, if I truly believe the Wildcats have the easy path, then once they get to the Final Four, they're, they're talented enough to win it. Hey, Hutton, real quick on, uh, yeah. on John Calipari. Oh, go Kentucky. ahead. Is this someone is... injured now? <coughs> My no. bracket screwed? No, this is the perfect <laughs> segue, though, because I just saw this from Trey Wallace of, of OutKick. Uh, he's at the media availability okay. with Kentucky right now. So Kenny Payne is getting the Louisville job, who's a former Calipari assistant who played at Louisville. And John Calipari was asked about Kenny Payne taking the Louisville job and if their friendship would change now that he's at Louisville. And his quote was, Rick Barnes and I have been great friends for years. I encouraged him to take the Tennessee job. He and I remain friends, even though they have beaten us a bunch <laughs> uh, at, at Tennessee. I think when you talk to coaches about John Calipari, you get a lot of that. Like He has got a lot of friends at coaching. There's no doubt yeah. about it, right? Even though, once again, they've got a very talented team, to your question. Am I, am I wrong in looking at the bracket and thinking that their path is I, – I, maybe I'm overlooking Murray State if they get past San Francisco. No, no, I, I, was, I was watching, and trust me, my bracket's been kind of the portal bracket for the last three or four days, so excuse me <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not as up to date as I need to be on the, on the matchups. Tell me the matchups, and I'll, and I'll sure tell you. But I, 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 we I, want to get that portal bracket update <laughs> also at some, that's at some right. point. Yeah, some breaking news. Me. Yeah, right now, I promise you that. But, yeah, you know, I, I, do, I do like Kentucky's matchups, I, and I, Murray State has had an unbelievable uh, year, and they've got – you know, and uh, I, I think those three guys, I mean, K.J. Williams, Tevin Brown, their point guard is, is unbelievable. Uh, I just don't think that Murray State will beat Kentucky. You know, if, if they beat San Francisco, it will be a hard one there. Uh, you know, Purdue's going to be a tough Sweet 16 game. I mean, if, 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 if you know, Kentucky beats St. Peter's and maybe Murray or – I mean, Purdue can beat anybody. And Purdue runs great offense, and they've got size to kind of negate – uh, Oscar, you know, so uh, but I, I agree with you, Jonathan, looked at all the, the different SEC teams this morning I like their chances I, I really like Tennessee, Tennessee's a little tougher, but I like Kentucky's chances I'm going to stay in that bracket, let's, let's discuss Murray and San Francisco briefly, I, I mentioned yesterday I, if I'm, and look, I'm nitpicking here I don't like when the committee puts two mid-majors together right, in the, right off the jump, and I think both of those teams have a legitimate chance to make a run to the Sweet 16, you know, and that, that's a memorable year for any of those, right? And yeah. uh, one of them's eliminated right out of the shoot, and then you get two-seed Kentucky right out of the, you know, before you can even leave your city. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's unfair. They're in the tournament. They got a seven-seed at Murray. They're very good, what, 30-2. and two. But they're facing a San Francisco. San Francisco's favored in the game yeah. at the 10-seed. Yeah, you look at the 7-10. I mean, Michigan State's playing Davidson, and that's kind of usually what they do with the 7-10. And not to put, hate to label teams mid-major, but – You know what you know, I mean. Yeah, no, 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 exactly right. So you look at so kind of look at the other kind of 7-10 matchups and you start trying to see. It's like Ohio State and Loyola Chicago. So usually they're doing like a power five versus yep. a mid-major, and a lot of upsets can happen in that game. Well, it's like middle and Michigan State. Yeah. You know, it's – and I don't like the in-state matchups either. I don't like Jacksonville State being paired with Auburn in the first round. 
personally. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with that. I mean, in, in Jacksonville State, I, and I think Auburn's going to play good in the tournament, personally. I just think they really? will. I, I, there's something – I mean, they got the most talented as far as NBA talent, front court. And you start looking at their, at their back court and then, you know, and – Sometimes erratic, but you still even looking like Wendell Green. I mean, the assist turnover is good. I think their guard play will play good. I think to see something different, I think I think Auburn will play really well in the NCAA tournament. Personally, let's talk about Tennessee. Also, um, you can't really put your finger on Rick Barnes' lack of success. At least I can't in the NCAA tournament. Say it's because of any one reason with his coaching or with his teams. This is certainly the hottest team he's had at Tennessee going into the tournament, uh, winning the SEC tournament. What do you think of this Tennessee team and how they revolve more around their guard play than teams in the past and how that might help them or hurt them in the tournament? Yeah, well, I can tell you one thing. Coaching against Rick, it's here. I mean, he, he's as good as anybody. I mean, it really is. And, and their team probably epitomizes the way Rick wants to play this year better than any of them. And it shows you, I mean, they've gotten to the point where they're playing two freshman guards together. Vestavi, I think, is maybe the most underrated player in all of college basketball. He's definitely the most underrated. Like when I was filling out my uh, all-SEC first team and there was eight of them, I think he was the third guy on my list or fourth. Wow. I mean, I just yeah. – as far as impacting winning, I mean, he does. He, he reminds me when I was growing up, I was watching the Olympic boxers, you know, and it would be like those middleweight guys that beat the United States. He'd be yeah. pulling like heck against him. And he is – he never glazed down. He's become he a great keeps, defender, too. Oh, it's unbelievable. He's the yeah. toughest guy in our league, and there's a lot of tough guys in the league. And the, the biggest key to them, though, is, is how James has evolved. He went from a guy that was really struggling shooting the ball. Now they're going undersized and playing him at the four. We're not playing the two bigs together. And the guards are playing great, but I'm telling you, he's changed their whole team. Because you, you get one of those small guys like him, he's 6'6", but he can go guard 6'9", guys. They can't guard him on the perimeter. And every time we go scouting, the first thing you look is, tell me about the four-man. Is a four-man, can he make a three? Yeah. Does the offensive rebound? Yeah. And you say, gosh, that's a hard matchup. And that's who he is. I don't even think you've mentioned your favorite player yet on that team. I bet it's Zakai Ziegler. Oh, I mean, you asked Rick. When we went up there and we were opening up, our first game got canceled with Florida. So Rick came by practice, and, and I said, you know, and, and I recruited Kennedy Chandler really, really hard. And we got our McDonald American, Deshaun Ruffin, who, who got hurt this year and was out. But he goes, Kermit, that guy right there has made him so much better. And everybody talks about it now, but he was saying that a ton long time ago. And I said, I, after we played him, I said, holy cow, Rick, that guy in person – is a monster. I mean, he just he gets goes. after it. Oh my goodness! I mean, non-recruited, you know, not at our level, and what they did with evaluation, and he's really kind of changed their team also off the bench. Guard play, and that—that's that, the difference, Chad, in Tennessee yeah, and, right and, now. And, and 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 absolutely about Josiah Jordan James and the ability to knock down the open three now. How that cha- changed Tennessee through that SEC tournament, uh, no doubt about it. And that's been a big difference. Alabama's a team that has been difficult to figure out throughout the year. I could easily put them down in the Elite Eight or Final Four in this bracket. I could easily see them losing uh, in round number one. How do you prepare for a Nate Oates coached Alabama team? And what did you see from them this season? Well, two years, the year they won it, they, uh, they were one of the very best defensive teams in college basketball. And Herb Jones was like Vestavy. He was the most important guy to his team. Yep. And so uh, this year their team is averaging 80 points a game. They're not shooting it at a great clip. They don't stretch it from the four spot like they did, you know. But 
they're not guarding. And NATO say that. My, my team didn't guard. I mean, you said it personality. We didn't. We, we didn't defend this year. But I, I thought that, that Nate's teams last year was the best defensive team in the league. This year they haven't guarded it as well. And then, obviously, they haven't shot the ball from three. And when they make threes, they can beat anybody. They beat us at our place. I think they beat us 97 to 85. We played as good as we could play offensively. That night they made threes. We got an open court nothing you could do with them. So you're right, Chad, that team right there, they could go to a Final Four, and they've proved it. You win Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, it shows it. How do you handle things if you're LSU and you've got an interim coach now, uh, the situation with Will Wade uh, getting fired after the SEC tournament, after the NCAA investigation comes back? Um, for me in my bracket, it was very easy to pick Iowa State over LSU, even though I know LSU is much more talented than Iowa State because of all the external factors. How difficult is that for a team? Yeah, you know, I, and we, we won at LSU this year, and that's when Ruffin was healthy, and he blew his ACL out that game that we, that we won. And I watched their team, and uh, Pinson was kind of playing, but he wasn't full speed. So now he's back to being, you know, 100%. Uh, their talent level is good. Eason and Days are as good an undersized fours in, 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 our, in our league. You know, I'd like to just to know the leadership. If their leadership is good, and I don't know really who controls the team. Pinson's only been there a year. I would say Darius Days has to control the team. If their leadership is good, those guys can rally around now yeah. and, and, and play really, really well. And loose. No doubt. Yeah, just, I mean, play. And, and they're always loose. I mean, they're always – they just play with this Seen. kind of arrogance too. Uh, so uh, – I don't know. It's hard to gauge that because I really don't have a real good pulse about their locker room and is it really have some tough guys that everybody listens to. Kermit Davis in studio with us. Um, we've yet to mention one of the teams I have in my final four. We'll do that coming up. Also, there are some non-SEC schools that are at-large bids in this tournament and teams that won their conference that Kermit and Ole Miss faced this year. We'll get his take on Marquette, uh, on Boise, and others. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ole Miss head coach Kermit Davis in studio with us. We're breaking down the brackets, previewing the first round, which tips off tomorrow. We've got the, the Dayton turnaround, which you would have been preparing for. I think this is... 2013 Indiana won last night now they're headed out west which you would have done I think with that game would have been in San Jose against Memphis had you won against St. Mary's right in Dayton um quick turnaround play a factor at all I don't think so I mean I, I look at those 512 games and St. Mary's that's who Indiana's playing is St. Yep. Mary's in yep. the 512 and the reason I know that because Randy on our first staff at Idaho Tim Floyd was the head coach with the Bulls. Larry Stacy, Iowa State, myself. Randy Bennett was our GA. And we, we treated Randy like he was, you know. And now Randy's won more games than all of us combined. You know, so he's had the last laugh for everybody. The five but seed at St. Mary's. It is. That's so, regular now for them. To get so you a seed look like at the 5-12. Like when we're at middle and we beat Minnesota 5-12. Everybody wants to look at the matchup. 
And you think about this now, St. Mary's is the five, Indiana's mm. the 12. Indiana's already played a tough game. I think it helps Indiana. I, I, all that stuff about weary legs, I, I don't okay. agree with that at all. I, I think I, I hate it for Randy, but I think Indiana wins that game. Um, you've, you've faced a couple of these uh, non-SEC schools in out-of-conference. Can we ask about Arkansas maybe first, the terms, Oh, yeah. Let, I want to get into Arkansas right. because Hutton's right. got them going to the I've got Arkansas four. in the Final Four losing to Kentucky. I'm always – Coach, I always get uh, very leery of the games that all the expert talking heads are picking the big ups. And watch out for this one. Watch out for that. And I feel like way too many people are in on Vermont over Arkansas. I'm sweating that. I've got Arkansas winning a couple games uh, and losing to Gonzaga eventually in this tournament. But you face that Arkansas team. What, what are they like to, to, to prepare for? Okay, I'll say this about the first-round game. Vermont, John Becker is one of the best coaches in the country, okay? But we played Vermont. We got upset my last year at middle and didn't get an at-large. Played Vermont in the first round of the NIT. That's what the Baltimore member team, Maryland, beat them, and then they beat Virginia. And – Vermont, we just we just out athletic them. I mean, we had them 35 or so in the second half. I just think that Arkansas will smother them. I just, I really do, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I just think Arkansas for a first round game. I think Vermont will really struggle with the toughness, the length, the physicality. I think Arkansas wins big in that game. Of of the three teams non-SEC that you faced that made the tournament, Marquette, Boise State, and Memphis. Of those three, is there one that jumps out to you? I know Boise and Memphis are facing off against each other. Is there one that you think can make a run, like a Sweet 16-type run? Memphis. And we beat Memphis uh, at home in, in a great game. It was early on when Imani Bates was playing. And uh, so we won. Uh, Boise were up eight with about six to go, got beat. But that team, that team is really good offensively. But I had no idea they'd be like that. Uh, we played Marquette in the first round of that tournament. It was a great game. Got beat, I think, five or six. I think Memphis first. Uh, Boise has really got some talent offensively. They can really, really score, run good offense. So I'd probably say those two. I don't even know. Who, I looked at it, but who's Marquette play in the first round? Marquette's got North Carolina. Yeah. I'm about, that's game. another 8-9 matchup. They, they could win. I, I think Carolina would win, but Marquette has got great guard play. They could. they got a great four-man. That's, that's excellent. How wide open is this tournament? Oh, gosh, I think it's – so wide open. I mean, I know you can look at it. To me, I was playing the best of anybody in college basketball. So, if it was a dark horse to win the national championship, go to Final Four, it's Iowa. I mean, you think about this. I mean, they're, they're scoring 64 points and a half in a Big Ten tournament. They put up like 118 points in a game in I that mean, tournament. I mean, that's you don't do that in the Big Ten. Usually those yeah. games are that's 65. Suns-Lakers. That's not yes. Iowa basketball. So, if they're, if they're team and they won the, the, you know, their tournament, they're playing great right now. Uh, I, I do think it's wide open. Everybody says it's Gonzaga's time, and, and I agree. Gonzaga's got depth. Who can stay healthy in the tournament, you know? And I think Gonzaga's fully healthy and got all of their guys. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of other teams that can win except for the ones, you know, that everybody's yeah. talking about. Houston? Houston, Illinois. Um, I like Illinois. Okay. I like that, that. That's another one. I wrote down two teams, and I did. I wrote down uh, Illinois because of guard play and their size. And, and I do. I think that's a team, you know, they got beat early on last year in the tournament. They, they're older. They're mature. That's a second team that I think has a chance. There are a lot of teams that I, I could describe as older because of the transfer portal, right? Like you were able to go. You were uh, always gave you credit because you did the reverse one and done. Calipari was on a five-star freshman going straight to the league. You went after the, uh, the senior that was looking for an opportunity to be conference player of the year and get a jump start into a pro league, 
and you did that every year and did it well at MTSU, now everybody's able to do that every year. We're playing Kentucky. With, I think it's the second to last game of the year. And we're at Kentucky, senior night. They tip it up. And I've been, you know, like with my dad, been on his bench. And I was at the last game at Moore Coliseum. So I've been going a long time. And I said, you know, there's Cal. He started four transfers in that game. <laughs> at Kentucky, who can get the very best high school guy in college basketball. He started four transfers in that game. And that's when it really dawns on you. Uh, the mistake I made this year is but because of injuries in it. And I, had, sure. I got too young. At the end, if my guys stay healthy, we're fine, and those other guys can develop. But with three injuries, then all of a sudden I'm there, and I probably should have gone and maybe taken a couple more transfers. But when Kentucky starts four, you're right, Jonathan. College basketball is forever changed. Well, and it's amazing how, if you're a fan of a team, how quickly your team can change from one year to the next with the transfer portal and how you can, you can be one thing in one style one year and completely different the next. Kentucky's a great example of that this year with those guys. How much has it changed the game and how you look at recruiting? Okay, I'll give you my example. Last year, we swept Auburn and Kentucky. And this year, both those teams can win the national championship. And so it just shows you, you can flip it. Everybody said it's a player's portal. It's a coach's portal, too, because it's both ways. I mean, you can flip your roster. You can – a fan base – I always tell our fans, too, don't be disappointed in the guys you lose. Just celebrate the guys you get because everybody's going to lose them. They are. But, you, but the rosters, Chad, just what you just said, it can flip one way or the other from one year. You can go from one team, boom, right there to try to win your championship. Kermit Davis has been our guest. We're going to make it to Oxford. And Please the next time do. you're back in Middle Tennessee, let's do an Ole Miss event right here Would at 6th and Peabody. This is Please the perfect do. spot. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Thank it. You. Kermit Davis, one of the best, friend of the show, and you should take his advice, not ours, on the bracket. We'll break it down. Trey Wallace joins us to begin our number two next.